Amen. I wonder if you have a Bible with you tonight. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of the Acts of the Apostles? It's a very, very familiar portion of that book, the book of Acts and the 16th chapter. The book of Acts and chapter 16. And we're going to read some verses, commencing to read at verse 23. Acts chapter 16, commencing to read at verse 23. The Word of God says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Amen. May God bless to us the public reading of his own inspired and infallible word. Let's just bow briefly in prayer and ask the help of the Lord upon the ministry of his word. Father in heaven, we thank thee again tonight for thy presence with us. We thank thee, Lord, for the word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. And we pray tonight, Lord, that in the closing minutes of our meeting that thou wouldst draw very strangely near. And, o God, bless thy word. May the word of God have free course and be glorified in this meeting. Lord, I take the promised Holy Ghost and the blessed power of Pentecost to fill me to the uttermost. I take, thank God, he'll undertake for me. Be with us now, Lord, as we wait on in thy presence. For Jesus' sake. Amen. As I said, I have been coming to Hillsborough for a long, long time, way back in the early 60s. And every time I read this passage of Scripture, it always takes my mind back to the day I was married. Because the day I was married, and Jean and I were married in the Martyrs Memorial. And her brother, Reverend William Beatty, was Jean's minister. Dr. Paisley was my minister. And they officiated at our wedding. But Mr. Beatty preached on the Philippine jailer. I do not know why. But when you speak to people 51 years later, they still say, remember your wedding? And the preacher preached on the Philippine jailer. I say, yeah, I do. Can't remember much else, but I remember that uh, about the Philippine jailer. But this is a wonderful story in the Word of God, recorded for us here by Dr. Luke, a man who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. 
And you'll find that as Paul and Silas made their way to the great city of Philippi to preach the gospel of Christ, they, the Bible says they were assuredly gathering that the Lord had called them to come and to preach in that part of Macedonia. And as you read through the chapter, you find that there was a woman there by the name of Lydia, a businesswoman. We might describe her as a very, very respectable woman. And she went to a prayer meeting down by the riverside on the Sabbath day. And at that prayer meeting, one old Bible commentator said, as Paul preached the word of God, he says, Lydia opened her ears and the Lord opened her her heart. Because the Bible teaches us that the Lord opened her heart and she received the Lord Jesus Christ as her own and personal Savior. Verse 14 in the middle of the verse says, Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Here's a woman with an open heart. And then we read that Paul and Silas, as they preached in Philippi, there was a young woman, a young servant girl, a slave girl. And we might say she had an oppressed heart. And everywhere Paul and Silas went, this young woman said, These men are the servants of the Most High God that show unto us the way of salvation. Now the Bible says that her masters made much money from her because of her soothsaying or fortune-telling. And they used this wee girl. And I have often told that story in children's meetings. And when I tell it in children's meetings, the thought has always come to me. Here's a wee girl. And she sees Paul and Silas. And they're walking down one street. They're going up an avenue. They're turning down. And she's shouting at them, These men are the servants of the Most High God. And then I was thinking about it one day. And I thought, you know, remember Paul talked about his, even his very appearance was uncontemptible. And perhaps she didn't shout like that. Maybe she pointed to them and she looked at them and she looked at these poor fellows and she said, these men? Do you think that these men are the servants of the Most High God? I don't know which, but that's what she said. And Paul realized that she was oppressed and possessed by the power of the devil. And so after she did this for many days, the Bible says in verse 18, Paul grieved, he turned to the Spirit and said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And so when this young woman, the man who wrongfully used her, made money from her fortune telling, they were angry. And they caught Paul and Silas. They brought them to the magistrates. They had them beaten and put into prison. And when the jailer, when he had the charge to keep them safely, he put them into the innermost prison, what we would say would be death row. He put them into the innermost prison cell in that city of Philippi. And in his story, we read the story not of a, a woman like Lydia who had an open heart, or a young woman like that slave girl who had an oppressed heart, 
But we read about a strong man, Philippian jailer, who had an obstinate heart, a hard heart. A man who put stripes and beat, beat the apostles and held their feet fast in the stocks. But there at midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God. Sure, many people here remember the late pastor Ivan Thompson. Ivan Thompson was a real character, a great gospel preacher. Preached many times here in Hillsborough. Preached for me uh, in Banbridge many years ago. Ivan was a great evangelist. And when the Bible says here that God suddenly sent an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison in verse 26 were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Ivan used to say, the jailhouse rocked and Presley hadn't even been born. God reached down from heaven and shook the prison and Philippi because he heard the cry and the prayer and the praises of his servants. And when the Philippian jailer saw that all the doors had burst open and the chains, the bands, the fetters that held men by the hands by the feet had fallen from them, rather than forfeit his life to the Roman authorities, he was going to take his sword and fall upon it and take his own life. Because he supposed, he supposed, and on the basis of a supposition, he was going to do something drastic. He supposed they had all fled, but verse 28 says, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light. He sprang in, he came trembling, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And beloved, just for a few minutes in closing, let me think with you about that question. But let me put another question before it. People say today, Why do I need to be saved? There was a time when men and women in this little province of Ulster had a fear of God. And that fear of God was before their eyes. And they thought about life. They thought about death. They thought about eternity. They went to their church on the Sabbath day. They, even ungodly men, would have read the Bible to their children and tried to teach the children to pray. But now we live in an age and the worldview is different, and the philosophies and the ideas and the thoughts of men are completely uh, against that. And so they say, well, why do I need to be saved? What are you preaching about being saved for? But once a man realizes he needs to be saved, then he cry like the Philippine jailer, what must I do? to be saved. Nicholson used to say, if you want to build high, you must dig a good foundation. And he used to say, men and women need to realize they are lost before you can get them saved. They need to realize they are without God 
without Christ and without hope in this world, in this life and in the life to come, before they will turn and seek the Lord while he may be found. Now when we ask that question, why do I need to be saved? Let me say, because of the plain statements of Scripture. Men and women need to be saved. This book is the royal law. We watched recently there at the 70th year of Her Majesty's reign. We watched some footage of her coronation way back. She became queen in 1952. She was uh, coronation in 1953. And then that coronation service, you'll remember how the Bible was presented to her And she was reminded that this is the royal law. And because of the plain statements of Scripture that teach you, that teach me, that teach men and women, we need to be saved. When the angels came and they spoke to Mary and to Joseph about the birth of the Lord Jesus, they said, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. When our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ walked upon this scene of time, he spoke to men and women. What did he preach? The Bible says in Luke 19 and 10, he said, For the Son of Man himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Here this Philippian jailer, this obstinate, this hard-hearted man, in this dire straits and in dire circumstances, when the earthquake came and he realized that were all his hopes were gone, he cried out, what must I do to be saved? I need to be saved. And the apostles answered, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. And because of the plain statements of this book, this book which uh, the archbishop uh, said is, is the royal law, this is a reliable book. We read sometimes about the world's great religions and great philosophies. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Other religions, other philosophies say that this world in which we live, it's flat. Some say it it stands on the back of four giant mammoths. And those giant mammoths stand and turn on the back of a giant turtle. That's what their religious books would teach. But away back in the Old Testament Scripture, the servant of God, Job, said in Job 26 and verse 7, that God hangeth the earth upon nothing. That is in space. Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, he says, The Lord sitteth upon the circle of the earth. This is the royal book. This is the reliable book. Friend, this is the the relevant book for men and women, for young people, for boys and girls. For this book reminds us in Romans 10 and 13 that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So because of the plain statements of Scripture, we know we need to be saved Listen, because of the problem 
and the seriousness of sin, we know we need to be saved. I know we live in an age when anything goes and people don't want someone to tell them that what they are doing or how they are living is sinful or it's wrong or it's evil or it's not godly or it's not righteous. But nevertheless, the Bible reminds us that sin is an awful thing. And the Bible says it's personal. For the Bible says, Behold, I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. The Bible reminds us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible reminds us that we have been born in sin and we have practiced sin. And that we have been deceived by sin. And sin, and every time I think of the word sin, I think of a little children's chorus we used to sing in the children's meeting years ago. S-I-N is a very little word. But it always spells disaster. And you must leave it very much alone or it will become your master. For the Bible says, Whoso committeth sin, the same is the servant or the bond slave of sin. And it's interesting to note that those words in John chapter 8 that came from the religious leaders and the religious crowd, and they said to Jesus, We are the seed of Abraham. How do you tell us that we need to be set free? We are, we, we are the seed of Abraham. We have never been in bondage to any man. What a, what a foolish answer they gave to Jesus. Because for 430 years they were bondmen in the land of Egypt. For 70 years they were bondmen in the land of Babylon. And even when they were speaking to Jesus face to face in the land of Israel, they were subject to the authority of the Romans who had occupied their nation. And yet they could turn around and say to Jesus, we have never been in bondage to any man. That's the answer you get in Northern Ireland. Men and women, I'll do my own thing. I'll live my own way. I'm not in bondage to any man. I can break the habit of the drink. I can break the habit of the drugs. I can do this. I can do that. I can stop the profanity. I can stop the blasphemy until they try. And then they find just how much in bondage to sin they are. And that sin that is personal, beloved, is accountable. Because God says in his word here in Acts chapter 17 and verse 31 that God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained, even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So because of the plain statements or sayings of Scripture, because of the problem and the seriousness of sin, we need to be saved. Let me continue by saying because of the passion and the suffering of our Savior, we realize we need to be saved. The old gospel hymn says, Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son saith he hath everlasting life. Thank God tonight for that voluntary submission of the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul writes about it in Philippians 2. He says he humbled himself and he took upon himself a body like unto our body. 
yet without sin. And he, he took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And our Savior who voluntarily stepped out of eternity into time, he entered into this world through the virgin's womb, who lived a perfect, sinless, flawless, crimeless, spotless life, and then died on the cross vicariously, as Peter says, he took your sins, he took my sins in his own body to the tree. Isaiah says, all we like sheep had gone astray in our sins, but the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, and he says, he, that is the Lord Jesus, who knew no sin, was made sin for us who are sinners that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And that sacrifice and the passion and the suffering of the Lord Jesus who bore the mockery and the shame and the spitting and the smiting and the crown of thorns and the whipping that his back was like a ploughed field. And then to be nailed to the old rugged cross. And for that cross to be dropped into its socket on the ground. And every bone in his body was out of joint. And then God shrouded in blackness and darkness. And judicially the wrath of God was poured out upon our Savior for our sins. But thank God he could not be holding of death. And that voluntary and vicarious sacrifice was a victorious one. And on the third day, as a hymn writer says, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He rose the victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with the saints to reign. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Can I just say as we close, because of the powerful strivings of the Spirit, we need to be saved. God has spoken to you in days gone past. God has spoken perhaps in a gospel meeting such as this, in a mission, in a testimony meeting. Maybe God has spoken to you through the, the life and the testimony and the witness of a dear mother or father, maybe now in glory. God has spoken to you through the words of a little gospel tract. God has spoken through the witness of a friend. God has spoken even as you have read his word for yourself. And still, dear friend, you're not saved. But God says in his word in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And God speaks and God strives and God calls men and women to come. But the old devil tells him, You have plenty of time. Not tonight. Next week. Wait till the harvest. 
Wait for another time. Oh yes, get saved someday. And so men and women go through life and they say, someday, some way, not now, but somehow I'll get saved. And the old devil holds the baubles and the glitter, the things of this world before them. And tells them you have plenty of time. Plenty of time. But friend, as the old harvest hymn says, while God's Spirit bids you come, sinner, do no longer roam, lest you seal your hopeless doom, but be in time. This jailer, he came to that point when he knew why I now need to be saved. And he cried out, what must I do? And Paul said, believe. Oh, friend, as many as receive him or believe on him, the Bible says to them, give he the power to become the sons of God. Tax through which Mr. Spurgeon was saved, the great English Baptist preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, way back there in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, the preacher said, God says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Charles Spurgeon says, I looked and when I looked, I lived. The jailer said, what must I do? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And he believed. And thank God he was saved. And he brought Paul and Silas to his home. They taught others in his house. What a wonderful change was wrought in his life. The man who locked them fast in the stocks, the Bible says, he bathed their wounds. He was changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together, please, and we word of prayer as we bring our meeting to a close. And can I just say, if there's someone in our meeting tonight, <coughs> you've never come to know the Lord Jesus as your own and personal Savior, I'm your servant for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake someone watching online you've never been saved you contact the church use the details because we would love to show you from God's word God's way of salvation how you can be saved how you can know that your sins are forgiven how you can be sure that it's well with your soul and that one day when this fleeting life is over it will be to be absent from the body to be at home and to be present with Christ for all eternity. But friend, don't go away tonight without coming to know our Savior. Father in heaven, we thank thee again tonight for thy presence with us. Thank thee, Lord, for the simple message of the gospel. And our Father, we pray, should there be one still outside of Christ, still unsaved, Lord, tonight may it be the night of their salvation and they will come and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved for time and for eternity.
We ask thee now, Lord, to separate us with thy blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and remain and abide with us all now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes or calls. Amen.